And Warm Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is the college football week nine betting preview show. As always, I am your host, Nate. Look, folks, this is uh, an interesting week. We didn't have our best week last week. Um, we still are 25 and 18, a winning season as of right now in college football. NFL podcast came out earlier today. Make sure you check that out. Got a nice double win on Thursday night. Got some good games there. We break down every game like every week. Um, Going to have some good bets. I, I feel pretty good about the card this week, so make sure to check out the NFL show. If you aren't already subscribed, make sure to subscribe, like, Trophy Kids podcast, both on our Instagram and Twitter page, as well as TikTok now. Um, we're going to go over some big time games uh, this week, but it, it's been a little bit of a chaotic week. I haven't finalized all my bets, so I've got a couple for you uh, today on the show, but we'll have more on the social media pages. So as always, it makes sense to to be following those for the most up to date bets. Make sure you're getting all all of our, our good information here. But we got some interesting games, and we're going to start with Kansas, Oklahoma. The line set at nine and a half, over under 66. Kansas scheduling just a brutal game for their homecoming. Um, Oklahoma rolls into this game. You know, they're one of my top tier teams in college football. Everybody sort of, I think, has their own opinion on Oklahoma right now. Brenton Venables has done a great job uh, of kind of making sure that this program didn't have, you know, a bleed off once Lincoln Riley left. Um, the defense has kind of solidified itself as a really solid unit that continues to get better week in and week out. Um, and the offense has, has been rolling pretty well. Um, I think we're getting to a point, though, where, it maybe might make sense to to start to short this team a little bit. You know, we seem to be getting to a high point in in the market. You know, it Kansas has has presented an interesting challenge because we don't really know where Daniels is at in his recovery. He's got the back issue that seems to be flaring up from here here and there, and, and we don't really know what his status is going to look like. Um, but we know Lance Leipold and this offensive staff does a great job of, of coming up with game plans. This is going to be an awesome kind of game to see those offensive minds versus the Brent Venables defense. I am looking forward to that. I think this is going to be a really good test to kind of see where Oklahoma is right now um, because you they have the giant win against Texas. I think Texas is the best one-loss team in the country. That is a playoff caliber team right now um i'm looking forward to that rematch in the conference championships um we're going to talk about texas a little bit in their qb situation but this is going to be a really interesting test you know what does oklahoma look like when you're challenged in kind of all assets of the defensive game i don't have a, a bet just for this yet um I'm leaning little Kansas right now, but I still want to dig into some things. I still want to see what Daniels is status is going to be for the game. So that's going to be a game time decision. So make sure you're following the uh, socials to go ahead and, and get that pick. All right. I think the game of the week, the thing we have to talk about is Oregon, Utah games at three 30 in Austin Eckler stadium. Out on the West Coast will be a, a noon kickoff for them there. This is not a night game, which changes the dynamics of this handicap for me. We've talked about Utah extensively on the show. If you're a longtime listener, you know how much we love Utah, how much we love Kyle Winningham. We think he's one of the best coaches in college football. He's really getting his roses this year, which which I love to see. You know, he, he's down his star quarterback. He's down his best offensive weapon most of the season in Kufi, the tight end. And yet they continue to roll because this is a Utah team 
that once you play them, you are generally worse off for playing them. They they come and, and they bring the fight every single week. This is a tough out team, especially when you play them in Utah out altitude and one of the best home field advantages. But it is not a night game. And you're getting an Oregon team here that Dan Lanning, the one really good thing that he is. I mean, he's done a lot of good things. I shouldn't say the one really good thing. But one of the things he's done well at Oregon is he sort of upped the toughness level where in the past for a game like this, you know, there's a fair argument that you could say Utah's just going to bully them here. They're just the more physical team. They're going to leave you bruised and battered, and they do, they are going to, you know, be a very physical test for Oregon here. But Oregon's up to the task. You know, they have this kind of play in a phone booth style offense. Um, it's a lot of short passes, death by a thousand paper cuts, a solid run game, good offensive line. Bo Nix has been really, really good this year. Um, the narrative of him on the road is really being challenged this year. I think Oregon's the best team in the Pac-12. I know they lost to Washington. They ended up pushing that game, covering if you got the three and a half um, at Washington. Uh, I, I do think Oregon, though, is the most well-rounded team in the Pac-12. I like the defense here. You know. Utah has solidified their quarterback position, which is good. I think um, they're going to have some opportunities here, but I just, I question their ability to sustain offensive drives, especially if they're not going to be in rhythm because Oregon's holding on to the ball. They're sustaining these long-term drives. I do give the edge to Oregon here, and I am going to place my money with Oregon Ducks at minus six and a half. We're not being scared. We're going in and attacking this game right off the bat. Um, I do think Bo Nix and this offense has enough. Franklin presents a, a, an interesting downfield threat for Utah to have to deal with here. Um, I really like Utah, you know, to hang tough in this game, but I think as the game wears on, you. Oregon's going to start to pull away a little bit here. They're going to get the cover at six and a half, I think. So I'm going to go ahead and, and lay my money with Oregon. BYU, Texas. I don't have a bet in this game, but I think it's important to talk about Texas real quick. Ewers goes down with another injury. Uh, there are going to be questions about his durability as far as an NFL prospect. But the best thing Texas has going for it, one of the best things that Texas has going for it, is they have fantastic depth at quarterback. In Steps Murphy, Malik Murphy, who is a very solid, you know, I look at a lot of teams in the SEC and the Big Ten, and he'd be the starter for a lot of these teams. He looked really good in the spring game. It is just a spring game, but the benefit that he has going for him is he has got a great player and play caller in Steve Sarkeesian. This is a man that does a great job of calling plays to highlight your best attributes, comes up with a really good game plan. He's going to put... Um, Malik in positions to succeed here. You've got Arch waiting in the wings as well. There's a lot of really good depth at the quarterback position. So they've, they've got guys to get them through this period of time. BYU, I don't think is really going to test them here. Maybe there's a, a, a shaky waters at the beginning of the game. So if you wanted to bet like a first half, I can maybe see that as, you know, Malik tries to get his feet under him. Um, but this is this is a spot where I, I don't have to worry too much about Texas. They've got the depth at quarterback. This is the best one loss team in the country, in my opinion. Um, they've got talent all around. They can run the ball really, really well, um, which has been a, a very strong, big, strong suit here for Texas. Um, so, yeah, I, I have no issues or, or kind of problems with them at, at this point in time. Um, and if for whatever reason, Murphy struggles. Arch will certainly be in the wings. 
Um, but I, I just, I don't think that that's going to be an issue. You know, you're going to be able to run the ball with Brooks. You've got some good weapons in the passing game. You've got a good defense. You can rely on here. BYU doesn't really pose a threat. They're, they're in a pretty down year this year. Um, so I, I do think Texas is going to roll here. We're going to talk about our rankings in a little bit, but I, I do, I don't think anything is dire there. I, I think they can get through this stretch without yours and be just fine is essentially what I'm, I'm trying to say and, and come away from this, just doing a very poor job of it. Um, all right, let's move on to a game where I, I do have a bet. Duke Louisville. This is an interesting game. I was shocked. Shocked. About Duke's strategy last week. Um, I thought it was very interesting that Leonard played. Um, because even if you lost to Florida State, there is a path to the ACC championship. And so I thought that they would hold back Leonard, uh, Riley Leonard, and make sure that he was healthy. They did, they elected not to. He re-aggravated that injury. Now, he tried to go back in the game. Mike Alco smartly said no. <laughs> um, but now this is a spot where he could miss this game. Um, and that puts in jeopardy that path to the ACC championship. Um, and that's why I was pretty shocked. You know, without Riley Leonard, I do worry about their op- their path here against Louisville. You know, Louisville's coming off a bye here. Jeff Brom is, and this offensive staff, are fantastic. We talked about them in the Notre Dame game and how that was a danger spot. It's at home, coming off a bye. They're going to have some nice wrinkles for a very good Duke defense and a very good passing defense in Duke. Um but I, I do give the edge here to Louisville. I have gone ahead and laid a wager win Louisville at six. There's no hook currently in the market right now for this. Because of the jeopardy at quarterback, I, I don't like what this offense looks like without Riley Leonard. We've now seen that iteration a couple times here with the injury. I do think Louisville's defense is at home. You get the bump. Um I like them here um, in that spot coming off the bye for Jeff Brom to throw in some wrinkles and and have have a, a good game plan in place um, to beat this Duke team. Georgia, Florida, largest cocktail party in the world. Line is set at 14 over under 49 and a half. This is a very, very interesting game. Georgia is now without the best player in college football. That is a non quarterback in Brock Bowers for the remainder of the, the regular season. I think that they're in a, a pretty decent spot to weather that storm offensively. They have started to come around. You know, other pieces are starting to pick up the slack, I think, or will be able to pick up the slack. Carson Beck is is really good. I, I think we don't talk about him enough as a really capable quarterback. He's sort of flying under the radar. Um, you know, a comparable guy that I, I think a lot, because they're one and two in the country, Michigan, J.J. McCarthy, I think he's right on par with McCarthy. Um, He can make all the throws you need to to do there. He doesn't turn over the ball. Uh, This is a Georgia team that is going to put up some points here. I think both these defenses are a little worse than, than maybe people realize they're very good. Um, But I do think they're a little down um, compared to expectation or, you know, the general thought out there. You, you can get, you can get moving on this Florida team. We saw that in the Kentucky game. 
um, especially being able to run the ball. I think Georgia has a path to real success here offensively, even without Brock Bowers. The question really becomes, can Florida hang around in this game? And Graham Mertz, to his credit, has been pretty good. I think that's actually more of a credit to Billy Napier. Popular, Contrary to popular belief, Billy Napier is a hell of a football coach. Maybe he hasn't done the best job of acquiring talent and, and upping the ante at Florida thus far in his career, but he's done a really good job I think in season adjusting this offense to make it more lethal and more tailored to what they have, you know, Graham Mertz is getting the ball now out of his hands very quickly. It's a very easily digestible offensive scheme for him. It's quick decision-making it's short, shorter passes. And because of that, as long as Graham Mertz doesn't turn over the ball, there are some paths to success here because of the style of, of defense Kirby allows to elect. You know, Kirby recruits the defensive side of the ball better than anybody in college football right now. And he knows that. And his defensive scheme reflects that. You know, he does play with lighter boxes. He allows his linebackers to operate in space because he really trusts his defensive line to control that line of scrimmage. And while the defensive line has a lot of talent, it's certainly out of the last couple of years, the iterations we've seen is down. And that's because you're missing an all world beater and Jalen Carter. I mean, Jalen Carter last year, and you're seeing it in the NFL this year was just so, so dominant. And I think that Florida is going to have some ability to be able to run the ball in between the guard and center in that interior part of Georgia's defense, because Kirby does elect to play with some lighter boxes and then they're going to be able to attack the outside with those quick, shorter passes. And this is a spot where if Graham Mertz just can be a field general and not turn over the ball, I think Napier will have a, a good offensive game script here for them. A lot of time is going to tick off. I don't think Florida is going to win this game, but I think they have a, a, a path to success a little bit here. So I don't hate them at 14. I haven't done anything there. I think the under is more in play at 50 because of the play style and that kind of slow, methodical place, pace that Florida is going to play with. Um, so I think that's sort of maybe a way to attack this game. I haven't done anything. I, I, I may make a wager on a side here, but I just I don't have it right now. It's in a neutral site, as always. Obviously, if you're unfamiliar with the game, they play this at a neutral site in Jacksonville. At Camping World, um, close enough to Georgia, things like that. So that's sort of how we maybe see this game a little bit here. But Georgia's get Georgia's doing what Georgia does. They're getting better as the season goes on. They're still my number one ranked team in the country. Um, but it's going to be an interesting adjustment. I think they'll be fine without Brock Bowers for the rest of the regular season. Um, I think they'll handle it well. They've got some some talent, contrary to popular belief there. Um, but it's going to be an interesting game. Tennessee, Kentucky lines at three and a half over under 51 and a half. Kentucky coming off a bye. Look, they've got a workhorse at running back. They can run the ball. What they need to be able to do is pass the ball. And Leary has been, um, I think it's fair to say he's been struggling now. That may be due to some lingering injury issues. Um, he had the surgery in the offseason. Obviously, his shoulder's been a little banged up, but they've really got to develop a stronger pass game here to stay in this game. Now, they talked about in the bye, 
how they really worked on that. And they had their, their number one offense go against their number one defense. Good on good to really try to practice that during their off time here. They get a Tennessee team. That's reeling after a really tough loss to Alabama, where you have a, you come out, you play a great first half against Alabama, and then you just get your heart ripped out in the second half. Um, because it was really looking, you know, after that first half, you know, it was looking like Tennessee might compete with Georgia here for, for that side of the SEC, but tough, tough game. You now are going to Lexington, Kentucky. You know, Joe Milton has been Joe Milton. You know, there are flashes where you could kind of see the talent that everybody's been talking about for years now. Um, and then there's a lot of times where he becomes shaky. Tennessee, Good defensive line here. I think Kentucky can kind of control this game here. They just, they got to show better in the passing game. Um, so if you believe the rumblings that they may play with, they're going to play a little bit more with pace. They're going to be a little bit more efficient in the passing game. I think Kentucky's a, in a pretty decent spot here. Um, don't want to say that too, too loud. Uh, but I think Kentucky could be in a, a, a pretty good spot, you know, I think playing with pace is really going to be helpful here. Um, you got to get going. It's just been, it's in the Mark Stubera. This is not a team that generally plays with pace, um, but they've talked about maybe upping the pace a little bit here. Hopefully that's not smoke and mirrors. I think it could do the offense. Well, I think it could help Leary get into a bit of a rhythm. Um, and yeah, we'll see there. Ohio state, Wisconsin lines at 14 and a half over under 45 and a half. Man, Wisconsin is in a bad, bad spot. But we we knew that coming into the season. We talked about that coming into the season. We talked about the fact that, you know, this is an offensive philosophy shift for a Wisconsin team that it, it doesn't have the guys yet to run that. Um, Mordecai is no longer the starting quarterback there, though. So it does seem like the backup's a little bit more suited to this. But you're changing, you know, blocking philosophies on the offensive line. You're changing your philosophy from an offensive standpoint and trying to spread it out more and be a more lethal passing game. And you just haven't gotten those type of guys in the building yet. You know, you don't have your all-world defensive coordinator anymore. And the defense is still good, but it is not that elite unit like we've seen. But in comes an Ohio State team that, yes, has beaten Notre Dame and has beaten Penn State. But Kyle McCord is really struggling. I know people are wanting to be like, no, he's he's good. But the offense is a lot of, th- screw it, Marvin Harrison Jr. is down there. They started to use Kate Stover a little bit more in, in the last few weeks. I think that's the real game changer, is getting Kate Stover involved more and more in the passing game could be the real kind of, turn of the the key lock per se to unlock this offense i didn't say that beautifully there but you get what i'm saying that's the guy that i would really like to see them continue to get involved more and more week to week um i think he could really unlock something for this offense in using him in the past game i think he's one of the better tight ends in the country i'd like to see that but mccord comes out he doesn't throw the most accurate ball we see this team be able to march down the field, but when they get to the red zone, they really struggle because he he does struggle to fit it in between those tight windows and throw a very accurate ball. And that's, I think, kind of what's going to happen here is I think Ohio State's going to move the ball relatively well against this Wisconsin team. But as they get to the red zone, as those windows shorten, they're going to be settling for a lot of field goals. And then I do, I do not see a, a lot of 
a lot of success here for this Wisconsin offense. Jim Knowles on the defensive side of the football. I said it when Ohio State hired him. It was one of the, the best signings in college football. It was exactly what Ryan Day needed to go and do and get a defensive quarter coordinator who was going to toughen up that defense that had been exposed in the years prior for being a little soft. And this defense is tough as nails. They play with an edge now, and you could see it on the field. Sure, they don't have the kind of elite pass rusher that we've seen the last couple of years in Young and Bosa, but they got some real good talent on the defensive line. The linebackers are starting to get better week in and week out. I think their play has elevated sort of each week here. The secondary is starting to firm itself up. There's not as many communication issues in the back end. This is a really, really, really good defense. Um, we saw that in the Penn State game, even though there's a lot of really bad offense from the Penn State side of things. But I'm having a hard time seeing how Wisconsin is going to find success offensively. I, I see Ohio State having success, but you know, Wisconsin's not going to let up these big, big time scores. So it's going to, you're going to drive the length of the field, probably settle for a lot of field goals. I think an under is probably in play. We've seen this number start to come down a little bit. You can get it 45 and a half right now. I, I'd, I'd probably play that. I think that's a, a, a fair play. Um, a game. I don't feel like I need to break down a ton, but Oregon state, Arizona lines at three over under 56 and a half. I am backing Oregon state here. Big time Oregon State backers here. Arizona is tough as nails. This is a damn good football team flying under the radar. Um, they finally popped, I think, for a lot of the public last week. But this is a really good football team. This is a tough out football team. This team has a lot of fight and is really frisky. And I love the way they play. But you are going up against an Oregon State team that is going to control the game through the run. Tough as nails. DJ has been been a little bit better the last couple of weeks. Um, so I, I do kind of like Oregon State here. I think it's a tough game. Got that Pac-12 after dark kind of vibes, which makes it a little dangerous for Oregon State. You can beat Oregon State through the air. You know, you can attack their secondary there. But I, I do I do like Oregon State here. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Those are the plays that I've made so far. We'll, we'll maybe have some more bets out later uh, this week. So make sure you're checking out our socials. We do have a new ranking. If you follow us on TikTok, you already know this ranking, but the college football trophy kids top 10 ranking is as such Georgia, Michigan stay one and two. Um, you could flip them either way. If you've been following us on social, you know, my thoughts on this Michigan cheating scandal. It, it's not good. It, it's at first I was like, this doesn't move the needle, but the more and more we learn about this, the more and more something smells a rot. Um, there are so many interesting layers to this, like why an outside firm was just investigating Michigan and seemingly hacked their computers. It looks like, um, you know, Michigan's giving out plays to other teams and information, to other teams to try to derail some teams. They didn't want to see in the college football playoff. It's an absolutely crazy thing. Like, let's see where the dust settles on this one. It, initially when it came out, it was just their advanced scouting <clears throat> and trying to steal signs. I, I didn't think much of it. But the more and more we learn, we're like, oh, this is this is actually a little bit worse than I think we thought. Um, so let's let's see where the dust settles. Let's see what the investigation entails. Um, but they're still the number two team in my book in the country. There's a strong argument for them being number one. But one and two, I think, is fair. Oklahoma, Washington, Florida State stay at three, four, and five. These margins are super thin right now. The reason I haven't ranked this way 
Oklahoma moved to three after they beat Texas. I think, once again, I've said it on this show, Texas is the best one-loss football team in the country right now, I believe. That's a great win. This is a team that plays good defense, good offense. You've got a veteran presence in Gabriel Dillian. Dylan at quarterback, um, a steady hand who can who can pose a threat in both the pass and run game. So I like that team right there. You've got Washington who beats an Oregon game, Oregon team that is fantastic in a playoff like game. That game we watched against Washington Oregon was a playoff caliber game. Oregon's the best team in the Pac-12, which is the best conference I would argue in college football right now. Um, so Washington moves to four. Those two teams are probably going to see each other again in the Pac-12 championship game. So that will sort itself out. Florida State is a fantastic football team. They've played some really good teams, but unlike the other two who have beaten a, a playoff caliber team, Florida State doesn't have that win. They have some really good wins, but that's why they're at five right now. But that's a super thin margin. That's a really good football team that's playing. It's 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 gearing each week up better and better. Um, I really like what, what Nor- Mike Norvell has done at Florida State. It'll suit itself out. Ohio State jumps up one place to sixth. I still don't think this is a very good overall football team because of the offensive limitations. I think Michigan is beating both Ohio State and Penn State. That's why they're already placed at six. I've already factored it in. I don't think they're that they're going to win that game. If they do, you've proved me right. They'll shoot right up to the top, but they haven't done that. They're at six. Texas is at seven. Oregon is at eight. <coughs> Excuse me. Alabama. Bama is at nine and Penn state drops all the way to 10 in my ranking. The offensive deficiencies were on full display in that Ohio state game. The inability to have a vertical passing threat is a problem. Um, James Franklin is who he is at this point. I think everybody has heard his struggles against the top 25. He's starting to remind me a lot of Mark rich at Georgia, you know, Early in the career, great success at Georgia. You know, won two SEC championships. James Franklin does have one Big Ten championship under his belt. Um, But he's starting to remind me a lot of him. You know, his record through 10 seasons, 84 and 37. Mark Rich was 145 and 51 in 15 seasons. But it's kind of that idea that you're going to be a really good team. You're going to be nationally ranked year in and year out. Your name is going to be thrown around early in the season for that national championship hope, but you're never going to get over that hill. You're never going to get over the elite team in front of you. Um, And that's sort of where Penn State is at. And if that's where they're at, great. But you're paying James Franklin $10 million a year. He's doing a good job recruiting. But he can't get over the hill when it comes to Michigan. He can't get over the hill when he comes to Ohio State. You've got some really good teams entering the conference next year. You're getting rid of divisions. So the two best teams are going to go. You already can't beat the two best teams in your conference. You've got two, you've got some good schools coming in. The competition is going to get stiffer. So if you're okay with recruiting well, being a top-tier team, but not being an elite team, James Franklin's your guy. But at this point, do you want to make a move at some point here and, and try to go get your version of Kirby Smart? You know, a guy that you're in a, a, a you're not in as talent-rich of a state as Georgia, but you're in a pretty talent-rich state in Pennsylvania. You've got some good football players there. You got some good recruiting pipelines. <clears throat> Getting a coach that can go and compete better with the Michigans and Ohio States of the world is, is an interesting question. But that's my top 10 right there. That's all we got for the college football show. Make sure to check out the NFL show. I will be back next week a little bit more prepared for this show. I do apologize we didn't have more bets and more concrete information for you. It's just been a hectic week. But I wanted to get on here, give some thoughts, and go up from there. And as always, 
Peace. Thank you.